Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and health care with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. New York Republicans nominated Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldin this week as their candidate for governor with 85 percent of the delegates vote. But he faces a primary challenge from other candidates, including Rob Astorino, Harry Wilson and Andrew Giuliani, the son of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who upstaged the convention when he brought his father with him. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports. Delegates were serenaded by the Nassau County Police Department Pipe Band as they chose Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldin as the GOP's choice to face Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul. Hochul seeking election to the post she filled when former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned in a sexual harassment scandal. Zeldin told the delegates that he's on a rescue mission to save New York State. All New Yorkers are hitting their breaking point right now and they are desperate for us to be successful in this effort to restore balance in Albany, to fire Kathy Hochul and Brian Benjamin. Zeldin says as governor he'd undo recent changes to the state's bail laws that he and other critics say is linked to the state's rising crime rates. He also says he'd fight for parents' rights to steer education policies that affect their children. But Zeldin first faces primary challenges. Independent businessman Harry Wilson entered the race a few weeks ago. He's already begun an aggressive advertising campaign. Wilson says he decided to enter the race late because he's concerned that the state's policies will adversely affect his children. I cannot shake the dark fear that their present is better than their future. And I refuse to accept that. I will not sit idly by while career politicians destroy our state. If anyone else in the field could do it, I would gladly stay home. But I know I have the skills, the experience, and frankly, the guts to fix it. Wilson received some support from delegates, but not enough to win an automatic place on the ballot. He'll now petition for the right to be included. He said he'll spend millions of dollars of his own personal wealth on the campaign. Andrew Giuliani will also be collecting signatures to get on the primary ballot. Matter of fact, I'd like to ask, I think I have a couple of ballots here, if you have a pen. Mayor Giuliani, would you sign my petition? His father, former New York City mayor and advisor to former President Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, was the second person to sign the petition. Giuliani says his son has what it takes to become governor, and he condemned GOP leaders for not giving his son 25 percent of the delegates' votes to avoid the petitioning process, a courtesy often extended to challengers in the past. I don't think a professional politician can beat her, and I think what they're doing with this dictated convention is very damaging, very damaging to the party uh, nationally as well, while we're trying to be a party of, come on, vote. They're the elite. They're the ones who dictate. <laughs> That's all they've been doing for a year and a half is dictating. The Giuliani say they met with Trump as recently as last week, but would not speculate on whether the former president might endorse Andrew Giuliani's candidacy, saying they are okay with him being neutral. 
Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, who ran unsuccessfully for governor in 2014, will also be petitioning to be on the primary ballot. I stand before you today as the most viable general election candidate, someone who can rally the base while also appealing to Democrats and independents. No one else can do that. Astorino argues that he can help win in bluer suburbs like his home county. At the Republican State Party Convention on Long Island, I'm Karen DeWitt. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. Well, as we just heard from our Karen DeWitt, New York Republicans nominated Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldin as their candidate for governor. He's a Trump supporter. He voted against certifying the election for Joe Biden, and yet he is the candidate by Republicans in blue state New York. Why? Well, Zeldin can't win. As you just suggested, there is a Trump attachment, which is really a death knell politically in New York State. But some of the other guys, like Wilson, have the ability to do it. In Massachusetts, where I live, we regularly elect Republicans. When the Democrats put up candidates who are either weak or deficient in one way or another, you know, the Republicans win. And that's because they run moderate Republicrats. That's not the case in New York State, and it's a whole different world. Do I think, you know, a guy like Zeldin can win? Absolutely not. But if they have Wilson or one of those other guys who is a moderate, they could take it. It depends on who, what the Democrats do, of course, and who their candidates are going to be across the board. To me, it looks like the Republicans have placed themselves in mortal danger of being the party of warm spit. Well, Alan, this week in New York, masks are now optional in school districts across the state, including many of the largest following the end of the statewide mask mandate. Districts in Yonkers, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, and Albany among those to stop requiring face coverings. On Wednesday this week, the reason, Hochul says, the dramatic drop in COVID-19 infections. I can't help but think, though, that with the political nature of COVID-19 and, and people who don't want to wear masks had some influence here. You know, David, think about politicians are, if something bad happens on their watch, they're going to get held responsible. And the reverse is also true. If something good happens, they're going to get the credit for that. Well, right now, the good is happening, and Hochul will uh, be the recipient of what comes with that. Obviously, we have seen a decline in the powerful disease which was spread for these last years. Now, we're also hearing that there are signs that some of it is still around and that it may come back. And if that happens, she's going to have a tougher time. Right now, she's doing what the rest of the politicians are doing, David. She is riding the wave. She's saying, okay, no more masks. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. That's fine. But if it comes back, and I think there is every indication it could. There could be a variant of the variant, and there is to some degree. So right now it's small. If it grows politically, she's going to have a much tougher time. 
Well, she's also in the midst of a campaign and the issue of campaign contribution limits. You know, Alan, politicians are famous for saying, you know, I'm doing it the old way now, but that's because this is the way the rules are now. I really want to right. see those rules changed. But So here's a story. Hochul campaign donors blow past corporate contribution limits. Circumventing a law designed to close a so-called LLC loophole, donors to candidates across the state are using multiple companies to give far over the $5,000 cap. Shocked, I say. The campaign fund for Governor Kathy Hochul receives $25,000 in donations tied to a single company, even though the state law bars companies contributing more than $5,000 total a year. This is the so-called LLC loophole. John Kahaney of the Good Government Group, Brian Van Albany, said these trends show the need for New York to ban candidates from accepting direct contributions from corporations, as 22 states, the federal government, and New York City already do. Sure, that's going to happen. Those clowns <laughs> in the legislature are going to get together and say, we're going to take on this governor of our party. Remember, the Democrats control both houses of the legislature. We're going to say that she shouldn't take the money. Look, there's a hard press on to elect Kathy Hochul as governor of New York. The community of Democrats and marginal Republicans are all for it. She's a centrist candidate. They want her. I have heard from people who are very representative of the political and economic community in New York. When I talk about what could go wrong here, they get angry because they want Hochul as the governor. And they are showing it with their money and they're pushing. And it may be that this is the right time for her to be emerging. But, you know, you never know. We still have an election coming. We'll see what happens. Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Chartoff. Listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. New York lifted the statewide mask requirement this week for schools, but many colleges are keeping mask mandates in place for now. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas reports. For the first time in almost two years, New Yorkers can go without face masks if they so desire, with statewide mandates over for public indoor spaces and public schools. Marsha White is president of the private College of St. Rose in Albany. The CDC and Governor Kathy Hochul have recently stated that we may be turning an important page in the pandemic. Well, here at St. Rose, we're pleased to help turn that page for the pandemic as well. We are announcing that effective March 7th, the mask will no longer be required to be worn indoors in St. Rose buildings. This means that when students and faculty begin classes returning from mid-break, masks will no longer be required in classes, events, or meetings. Of course, they may still wear masks in classrooms or anywhere on campus if they so desire. Wearing a mask continues to be a required part of our quarantine process, but in addition to that, our rates have remained very low 
when we tested everyone returning to campus in January, we had the lowest positivity rate in the region. Private Siena College in Loudonville has not required masks on campus this academic year for fully vaccinated students and employees. Schenectady's Union College will no longer require masks on the private campus after winter term classes end March 12th. Alexis Johns is a junior at UAlbany majoring in English and journalism. I'm kind of upset how the whole mask thing has become political, I guess. And that's really apparent on campus. As you can see, people will give you maybe a dirty look if you're not wearing one and just assume you're on a different political side than them. And I don't think that should have ever happened. I think that this whole thing started with our health and well-being. And it's sad to see that it's gotten so political. Um, what I feel is, no, I don't think we should have mask mandates anymore. And I just think at this stage that we're at now, we see um, cases are very low, and the key word is cases. There are no longer a surplus of deaths happening, and I think that's a big thing probably because majority are vaccinated, and I think our campus has, I'm not exactly sure on the exact number, it might be 98, it's very high 90s, I'm going to say, percentage of vaccination rate. A lot of people have their booster. We, um, we're required to get it. If not, you have to be tested weekly. So I just think the campus has done everything they can to be safe, and I think the fact that the entire state itself has removed the mask mandate, I think it's time that our campus listed as well. Meanwhile, the SUNY system has posted updated guidance on its website aimed at establishing a path for campuses to begin lifting the mask requirement in consultation with their public health departments. United University Professions Union President Fred Cole, who is a WAMC commentator, says safety should be maintained across SUNY's 64 campuses. So it's a very fluid situation. It's very different from campus to campus. Uh, we are hearing of some, some faculty members who are uh, a little concerned about being in classrooms without uh, students masked. Uh, on the other hand, we're also hearing from faculty members who uh, welcome the change uh, with the high rates of vaccination on SUNY campuses. Uh, they feel okay with the change. Um, we believe most importantly is that faculty should be allowed to require uh, mask wearing in their classes uh, should they so choose. Um, and also uh, the professional staff we represent uh, working in offices where they encounter the public. The situation should be the same. Um, but again, uh, what, we're have, what we have right now is a, a changing situation, very dynamic across different campuses. Mask mandates remain in place at Cornell and RPI. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas. Governor Kathy Hochul is creating a Joint Security Operations Center in Brooklyn to oversee cybersecurity in New York. Legislative Gazette's Ashley Hupful with more. The Democrats said Tuesday the facility in Brooklyn will be a nerve center for data collection, response efforts, and information sharing between local, state, and federal officials. Hochul is proposing a $30 million shared services program to help local governments and other regional partners acquire and deploy cybersecurity services. She said states and major cities must work together to increase security. We can no longer act independently, and that is, has been the case where the state of New York has its plan, city of New York has a plan, our mayors, our local governments throughout the state of New York, and that is not sustainable in light of the threats that we're seeing. And 
We can't expect cities and counties to go it alone. The center is a partnership between the state and the mayors of New York City, Yonkers, Syracuse, Buffalo, Rochester, and Albany. State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services Commissioner Jackie Bray says right now, local response to attacks varies. What's happening now is that if any entity that is attacked is responding, uh, New York City has an incredibly robust and mature response. Uh, and then uh, the responses at our localities and our counties and our authorities run the gamut um, from that incredibly mature, robust uh, response to one that uh, needs some help. Hochul says the effort follows a phone call between President Biden and governors from across the country in which he warned of an increased threat given tension over Russia and Ukraine. The White House thought it was important enough to let governors know to be prepared. Uh, we, they don't, the criminals, the terrorists, they don't telegraph uh, what they're going to do because they want the element of surprise. But we're on notice now. We're on notice of what they could do to dismantle our systems, our communication systems, our uh, 911 systems, our, you know, our transportation network. I mean, they all run on technology. And you disrupt that technology, that connectivity, uh, there is an opportunity for, you know, rather, rather cataclysmic consequences. Joining the governor for the announcement, Democratic Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan recalled when city government was the victim of a cyber attack. The city of Albany in 2019 was also attacked, and that ransomware attack, again, we were able to protect our systems and to be able to rebuild and uh, come out of that very strongly. Uh, but it is an incredible challenge because these attacks happen every single day. I get a report from the, our, the head of our, um, uh, 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 our CIO, and that report shows me how many times a day, and it's dozens and sometimes hundreds of times a day, that we are attacked of people trying to find vulnerabilities in our systems. And we as cities just can't do this ourselves. Um, municipalities don't have the bandwidth. In addition to the new facility, New York will increase the number of cybersecurity professionals in the state's workforce and is looking to hire 70 more employees. Hochul says she's looking to replicate the College of Emergency Preparedness and Homeland Security at the University at Albany around the state as demand for cybersecurity professionals increases. She added it is the responsibility of the state to expect and prepare for future attacks. The situation is becoming more volatile. The U.S. just literally in the last hours uh, instituted sanctions. Sometimes for every action there's a reaction. Shame on us if we're not anticipating and watching what's happening across the globe and the possible impact in any city, of course, but New York City, New York State. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Ashley Hupfel. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Former Democratic State Senator Carl Andrews represented Brooklyn for two terms starting 20 years ago. This week, he was in far northern New York. Andrews attended a North Country Chamber breakfast as local leaders from Plattsburgh and Clinton County delivered their annual addresses. In an interview with the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley, Andrews explained what brought him to Plattsburgh. 
the nascent cannabis industry. I'm here in Plattsburgh because we're looking at possible business opportunities in Plattsburgh with the new industry that's getting ready to blossom called cannabis. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yes, Plattsburgh has a very good uh, power source, the water and the falls and everything. And it has, from what I just found out from Gary in the Chamber of Commerce, the lowest uh, electrical billing in the, in the United States. And when you have to grow indoor in a state like New York, because you can't grow year-round outdoor, you need not only a good location, but you need a good source of water and power. And Plattsburgh fits all those three uh, boxes. Would this be the only location that you'd be doing cannabis operations in the state? Uh, no, we're looking at other locations, but this is where we would look at to be doing our growing and processing of cannabis. Uh, is the uh, closeness to the Canadian border a factor at all? Um, I know that uh, the federal government still considers marijuana and such illegal, but this is something completely different. Um, so is the border situation here uh, of interest to you at all? Uh, no and yes, in the sense that because it's not legal in the United States <laughs> federally, we cannot associate with you know, other countries and let alone states outside of the state that you're working in. But with the anticipation that because a country like Canada has it legal and eventually if the United States figures out how to really take care of the banking component, because that's the major holdup as far as making it legal, legalized legal, legally, plus the fact of changing it from a, um, a felony in a class two kind of situation. Once those two things are dealt with, I can see that the United States would make it legal, and then this might even be even a better position to be, you know, to be at a better location to be positioned in. Mr. Andrews, um, I'm going to switch a little bit to politics. You were in state government for many years. Don't hold that against me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you been following the Democratic and Republican campaigns and the people that are running for governor? Oh, uh, yes, I have, of course. Yep. And it uh, should be an interesting year, as, as always, in New York State. Uh, governor Hochul has come in and she's doing a very good job. And I know that the uh, Republican Party just nominated uh, their candidate for governor, so it should be an interesting year in New York State and around the country. Are you going to support Democrat Kathy Hochul? I will be supporting Democrat Kathy Hochul and as many Democrats as I can around the country. Why do you believe Kathy Hochul is the best Democrat for governor, and not just because she's the incumbent? Well, she has a long history of working in the state, uh, working up in the county of uh, Erie County in Buffalo, and also I believe she was a member of Congress for a little while, and uh, also lieutenant governor for several terms. So she has a very clear understanding of New York State, having also worked for two governors myself, well, three governors, including Mario Cuomo, uh, Andrew Cuomo's father. I know a little bit about state government and how hard it is, and when you have somebody that understands and has experience, it's a lot easier for them to transition into that position opposed to someone who's totally outside of that, that realm of knowledge and, and experience. 
The Republicans always have an uphill battle when it comes to running for governor. Lee Zeldin uh, was nominated, uh, although I believe Rudy Giuliani and the other candidate that is, uh, and it's for some reason, I've suddenly I think it's Wilson. I think is his name, the one that ran Mark for control. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Ran for controller against yeah. The yeah. Um, they may petition to be on, you know, a primary ballot against him, even though the convention chose Zeldin. What do you think the Republicans? What do you anticipate from the Republicans this year? Um, and and do you think they have a chance of taking the gubernatorial seat, even though you're supporting Kathy Hochul? Well, I would tell anyone who is involved in politics, and especially anybody who wants to run for any office statewide, um, I remember way back when Governor Mario Cuomo was running for re-election, and a young man at the time who was a state senator, a senator, um, I guess it was Pataki, he was from Peekskill, and I remember at one point in time, Mario Cuomo was ahead by 38 points in the polls when it first started out. So in politics, in horse racing, and a lot of other gambling situations or competitive situations, you never take anything for granted. And even though this is a democratic state, and one would assume that uh, Ms. Hochul or whoever has a democratic nomination will be in a good position to win, you still have to get the, the voters out to vote. Uh, we saw what happened in, in Virginia, for example, and uh, so you can't take anything for granted, and uh, you must work hard and, and, and campaign and ask for every vote from all 62 counties of the state. Well, thank you, Mr. Andrews. How long are you up here for? Uh, I'm up here for the whole day, and then I'll be back uh, some times again in the near future to look at some locations and see if we can strike a deal with the city and the county and, and and the, um, the town. And enjoy recreating on the lake and everything else. Oh yes, oh yes, and my son is just taking up skiing. He's 10 years old, so I'm sure he'll enjoy this area in the uh, wintertime as well as the summertime. Former New York State Senator and Executive Branch aide, Carl Andrews, speaking with the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2209. Or just listen or schedule a podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustino.